0: Hello and welcome to Sermons from First Press, a weekly podcast from the First Presbyterian Church of Ann Arbor, Michigan.
1: A reading from the book of Psalm 130. I cry out to you from the depths, O Lord. My Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears pay close attention to my request for mercy. If you kept track of sins, Lord, my Lord, who would stand a chance? But forgiveness is with you. That's why you are honored. I hope, Lord, my whole being hopes, and I wait for God's promise. My whole being waits for my Lord more than the night watch waits for morning. Yes, more than the night watch waits for morning. Israel, wait for the Lord. Because faithful love is with the Lord. Because great redemption is with our God. He is the one who will redeem Israel from all its sin. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
2: The New Testament lesson for today comes from Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, beginning with the 13th verse of chapter 4. Listen now for the word of God to us. Since we have the same spirit of faith as he had who wrote, I believed and so I spoke. We too believe and so we speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart. Though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed every day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, because we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. The grass withers, the flower fades, the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. The morning of March 11th, 2011, I did my normal thing. I awoke, had a cup of coffee, and hit the YMCA treadmills at 5.30, occasionally glancing up at CNN and MSNBC on the two televisions beyond my reach, but not my sight and hearing. And there it was, the tsunami, that wave of water slowly powering over the urban landscape of Sendai City, Japan, engulfing every car, building, power plant, and human being. Helicopter cameras captured the 30-foot water wall from the air. That horrifying image from nine years ago this month reappeared from the cobwebby corners of my mind and haunts me anew, a surge of water relentlessly rolling, full of churning debris passing over the land, bringing people to their knees, drowning a nation in despair. Since last December, when the scourge of COVID-19 began slowly moving across the globe, ever expanding its reach, that image returned to me. So too does the image of Hurricane Katrina as we all watched it off the Louisiana coastline, swirling offshore but getting closer each day. This is the virus, the spiral of outer bands just now touching several American cities, the eye still far from hitting our human shores, our medical system, our already weary souls. This virus is a natural disaster that forces us to do something different. Finally, mastering something of what the Apostle Paul told us to do, he urges us to look not at what can be seen, but for what cannot be seen. Visual people, we are fighting a war against an invisible, unseen enemy. We're trying to locate the germs of this dread, this hardship, and this agony. We look at what we cannot see, and we sanitize. We look without touching our face. In this time, it is precisely what can be seen that helps us survive what is in front of us. Many of these painful images must be temporary. People out of work, out of food, toilet paper hoarded, Businesses shuttered, granddads waving at their little ones through the window panes, people of all ages withering in hospital hallways, medical professionals gowned in garbage bags. And when the end to this chaos comes, many images must be made permanent. Neighbors singing to one another across alleyways, folks putting the well-being of the most vulnerable above their own to deliver them supplies. Therapists offering reduced rates to those without insurance who are desperate for guidance. Pastors offering nightly prayers online to sustain the faithful. Families enjoying the challenges of their forced togetherness. Healthcare workers dedicated to the cause of saving lives and scientific research for cures, even when they are abandoned by our federal government. We are visual people in an invisible world of germs, and yet we are also faithful people. And so we reach beyond Mother Nature to our Mother-Father God, hunting for stories in Scripture where our helplessness is no less real but mitigated by the sure presence of Jesus, places where despite what we can't see and know, God is indisputably among us and for us. I hear a fresh word in the words God spoke to others in a time of great need to the Israelites in exile in Babylon. God also gives us rich images. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned since you are precious and honored in my sight because I love you. I find myself in the gospel's harrowing moment when Jesus and his disciples were all together out on the lake sharing a boat ride when an exhausted Jesus slept in the bow. In a dangerous storm, as waves roll over them, they nearly capsize and they surely panic. The shortest verse in the Bible might have been, Jesus slept. When they woke him, he berated them for being people of little faith, but still he saved. Is our Lord in this boat of burden with us today, feeling our fear and despair? We pray for the Savior to wake up and put our way of life, our economy, our families, our church, our sanity back in order. Our prayers won't rouse a God who never slumbers nor sleeps, but perhaps in offering them we might sleep a bit better ourselves. The scriptures Rick and Jay and and now I will preach from were chosen months ago, long before corona was anything to us but a so-so Mexican beer made slightly better with a lime. We might have altered them to fit our current predicament, maybe drawn from the laments of Jeremiah or the pathos of Job or even the apocalyptic texts from Revelation. But the musical selections and texts and themes were remarkably appropriate for this current moment. Our Lenten theme asks that poignant existential question, why are we here, now tilted on its axis to say, where is here? These two passages arrive here at the end of our first week of sheltering in place, the first week of a spike in deaths and unemployment claims so vertical it takes your breath away. The first oppressive week where you kept separating yourself from the fear, the the one that comes with every sneeze and cough that you or someone you love has it? As Terry Gross said this week, this is a dark time for hypochondriacs. Why are we here? We are here because our spiritual hunger groans in isolation to be nourished by our togetherness. The psalmist is not isolated. She's on a pilgrimage, a journey to Jerusalem with others, but she writes and sings one of the most powerful laments in all of Scripture. Out of the depths I cry. This is her prayer of despair, groaning out of the chaos of her human predicament. That depth, the Hebrew word, means all the pain, alienation, and depression that make us despair. The human visceral pathos we are feeling right now crying to God out of those depths without minimizing her experience at all still she finds hope in the same God we worship naming the one who is endlessly forgiving redeeming steadfast in love and loyalty to us which in the Hebrew Bible is the closest thing to grace she points to who God is there is forgiveness there is salvation there is grace so the psalmist will wait it out. We hear her pleading with us to do the same. But read on, friends. This extraordinary four-word lament, out of the depths, becomes confession and then creed and finally proclamation. And with a wider lens, we see that this psalm is a template for worship, a liturgical nugget that we can pray from wherever we are. Use this daily psalm in your personal homes and pray it out of your depths. Until recently, perhaps few of us saw us in this particular psalm. I can't remember anything that has created such complete disorientation and upheaval to our individual and collective lives, our religious lives, our local and national economy, the entire world's ability to function. Today, we pray from our depths, like her, while in motion. And no matter when we arrive at the place we need to be, we will move from this leg of the journey to new stages until, like the psalmist and every other human being, by grace do meet God face to face. While we are on the way, let us be guided by what never changes, forgiveness, grace, salvation. First Pres, many things have been canceled because of COVID-19. So much has changed because of this coronavirus. Who God is, is not one of them. Paul's second letter to the church in Corinth, the experience of our outer nature wasting away and our inner nature being renewed, compellingly, compellingly speaks to our modern moment and points us to something we can hope for. Our outer nature is changing. We are all aging. Time is passing. But we are learning something from this. We are maturing on the inside. Our perspective is shifting. Our spiritual immunity strengthened. Perhaps you saw the article supposedly authored by Bill Gates on what coronavirus is teaching us. No matter who wrote it, there is wisdom in naming what this virus is revealing to us. Our equality our connections, the fragility of life, the preciousness of health, our free will to cooperate, our ability to be patient or to panic. The fake piece ends with this. The coronavirus reminds us that we need to look at the rate of deforestation just as urgently as we look at the speed at which toilet rolls are disappearing off of shelves. There's nothing phony about that concern. Our outer nature wanes, our inner nature waxes. But these words were the ones that stopped me hard. If the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, Paul writes, he is talking about the body or something else. Commentators don't agree. Through the lens of the coronavirus, I read it anew. In so many ways, The earthly tent we live in has been destroyed. We are now unsheltered. We are unprotected. We are uncovered. So many of the things we built up to make ourselves feel safe and in control, job, money, time with our grandkids, hair dye, dog groomers, vacation travel, trust in our leaders, with this virus, they have changed Here in this moment, with no earthly tent, we are completely vulnerable to all those feelings of panic and fear and anger and grief and confusion. Now we are all John Travolta's in the 1976 made-for-TV movie The Boy in the Plastic Bubble. A man born without an immune system forced all of his life to live inside plastic bereft of human touch. When finally unable to take the agony of alienation, he walks across the boundary of his plastic pod, now at the mercy of all those germs, uncovered. Finally, if even for a few hours he gets all those things we human beings crave, love, companionship, sex, compassion, the earthly tent kept him apart, he longed for more. Now, we are all vulnerable, and without the tent, our human hands have spent our lives building for ourselves. We recognize our hunger for that which will make our lives ultimately meaningful. We are adapting our uncovered lives to find ways to make sure we all still get it. In so many ways, the earthly tent we American people have lived in so blithely, so indifferently, so self-servingly has now been destroyed. Our invincibility, perceived as it was, is gone. Our self-control and our mastery of the world is of little use. Our perceived invulnerability has been shattered. We are fragile, frail, and humbled by the invisible, and our ability to get help is compromised. COVID-19 has uncovered our truest selves as beings in a complex world. What are we learning just now? Naked and uncovered as we are. Outside of this earthly tent, we have to take care of ourselves and one another in ever new and creative ways. Never before has finding our connections to our source of all divine love in this world been more urgent. Never before has putting our lives right been more necessary. The antibodies of faith, hope, and love, we can protect our immunity to doubt and despair. That's how we survive the new uncertainty and vulnerability with which we live. After 9 11, church attendance spiked, you'll remember, and pastors urged us not to implode or disintegrate emotionally and spiritually as a people and a nation, but to become stronger through all the struggle. And they pleaded with us to love as though everything depended on it because everything does depend on it. And we did for a while. When your earthly tent is destroyed, what will you do? Will you find a temporary shelter in faith, or will you relocate yourself there, letting faith hold you in your fears, in a deeper reliance upon God, a stronger spiritual journey, a greater commitment to let love lead your way? The comedian Mark Marin recently said, "'When I am terrified, I go mystical.'" I can find my way into faith when I am terrified. When you are no longer terrified, Mark, will you find your way out of faith? The question will always be there. Why are we here? Our theme is no gimmick to get you into church in Lent or online to find our YouTube channel. The Holy Spirit led First Pres to this question months ago, and we are here because our outer nature is dying and in response, our inner nature can grow, can be nourished and nurtured by how we respond. What's your response in your uncovering? Paul points us to this, grace. We are all grace to one another, you know, and we are grace as it extends more and more. We are grace going viral. Grace where God has given us We must give each other unconditional, forgiving, steadfast love the grace to follow the rules, the grace to be patient and wait, the grace to pray, the grace to be grateful even for moments of light in the midst of this darkness. Friends, out of these depths, great things can come. Out of these depths, we will grow and change and be transformed Out of these depths, we will begin to see the ordinary as extraordinary. Out of these depths, we may be at the mercy of nature and science and the earth, but God's mercy does not die, and we live into our role as the true carriers of it. Out of the depths, we learn to reach outward and upward with compassion. And out of these depths, we will in two short weeks proclaim, Alleluia! Because Christ will rise on Easter morning. God will be with us in our homes and alive in our hearts, just as God always is. But now, in those depths, friends, cry in the face of sickness, weep in the face of death, wail in the face of torment and despair, and touch those faces with your grace. Just do it from at least six feet apart. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.
0: Let us pray. God of steadfast love and faithfulness, we are humbled as we try to do what is right and to walk in your ways. Receive, we ask, our gifts, and use them for your own good purposes in the church and in all creation. Living God, in this season of physical distancing and social solidarity, we often find ourselves at a loss of words, to name the troubles we carry in our hearts. In this time of warming, we find that our anxieties, our concerns, our questions, our worries, and our boredoms bloom more vividly and fervently than ever. And out of the depths, we cry, why, how? From moment to moment, we move between centeredness and worry, between hope and fear. So we turn to you in prayer.
3: Loving God, wherever we are, however we are listening, be with us here and now, show us, who we are and whose we are in this time and place. O eternal weight of glory, now more than ever, we see up close what it means to be vulnerable in our society. We pray for those who are living with challenges we can only begin to imagine. We pray for those whose homes have not been a safe shelter for a long, long time. We pray for those with increased health concerns, suppressed immune systems, and chronic pain. We pray for those who in these days need chemotherapy, heart surgery, and organ transplants. We pray for those who are uninsured or underinsured, and for those who are second-guessed. And we pray for those who are pregnant and preparing to bring fragile, beautiful life, into a world with so much need.
0: King of grace, we give you thanks for those workers among us whose labor is often unseen and underappreciated. We pray for grocery store workers and checkout clerks, pharmacists, bank tellers, and delivery drivers, all who provide for our needs. We pray for sanitation workers and cleaners who take care of our trash while we wash our hands. We pray for healthcare workers and hospital staff putting in long shifts, going above and beyond. We pray for all those whose work we might have taken for granted, whose names we do not know. Hold them in your embrace and fill them with your love, strength, and provision.
3: Shelter us. O Holy One, in whatever place we find ourselves, and bring us your peace, which surpasses all understanding. When we close our laptops and shut down our devices, when we finish yet another call on Zoom or FaceTime, when we just want to sit face to face with our friends and our loved ones who feel so very far away, reveal your spirit to us again. Reveal your spirit who knits us and bonds us together across time and space.
0: Reveal your spirit and make your spirit known to us so that we might again discover how in every groan and in every laugh, in every frustrated sigh and in every weary tear, you are with us. We pray all of this confident in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information, visit us on the web at www.firstpresbyterian.org or send an email to info at firstpresbyterian.org. See you next week for another Sermon from First Press.